Let's go. Cool. All right, we are recording. Hey everyone, this is Kirill Brainin, and you're listening to the Transit Podcast. This is the first one in quite some time. I know we were doing a couple a week, uh, and currently we're trying to get back on. Uh, I was in a funk for a while, and here we are back, and with a very special guest today, we have Jason Reyna out of Dallas, Texas. Hey, Jason. Yeah. How's it going? How's it going? Good. How are you? Good. Did you get everything done today? You were working on orders and stuff. We had a flood of orders, and actually, I talked to Jason earlier. I, it's weird yeah. Jason. I just want to say Reyna, which is what I'm going to do from now on. I was talking to Reyna earlier, and... Uh, Actually, a couple came through even after I talked to you. So I was literally in uh, everything's printed in my basement. So we printed everything all day. And uh, right before I looked at the clock randomly and it said it was like 545. And I was like, holy shit, where'd the time go? I was in the basement all day printing all the pre-order jackets uh, and finishing all the new orders that came in. And those all went out today. Yeah. So I went to the post office, closed at six and those all got out. So that was good. Very busy. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? What do you have to do? Uh, I didn't do a whole lot today. Actually, after we talked, I cleaned up a little bit and I took a nap. Naps are great. I've actually been like, I've been very bad at napping, but I've been trying to settle myself into it. Usually around like noon, I'll take a little power hour. It's been feeling pretty so, good. So I've been a big advocate of naps even before the quarantine. Like, like I don't have a normal schedule. Everybody else has like a nine to five kind of, but I don't. As a flight attendant, I basically change my schedule day to day week to week and so naps have been a big thing for me for a while and just like sit like normally I'd come if I'm off I'm home I take my girl to lunch and then come home from that and try to get like a couple hours or at least an hour in and then she gets off of work like at five or six but now that she's home all the time she's still working from home this is actually her, where she works most of the time uh if she's busy I'm like all right I'm gonna sneak a nap in so I got one in today it was nice Right on. How long, dude, I have this hard time with like a, I have a hard time going from falling asleep generally. And then if I turn into a nap or if it turns into a nap, very good opportunity to turn into a sleep. How do you, how, how do you like figure out the difference? Cause usually right at the time, like it, a nap should be over. I'm like ready to sleep. And like that nap could hypothetically turn into like a two or three hour thing. So I've had this conversation with you before and anything under three hours is a nap. Okay. I don't, uh, we I don't. argued a little bit about like two hours to three hours, but um, when I was a kid, I had really bad insomnia and I didn't sleep very much. So like four hours was like sleep. So now if I get like a couple hour nap in and usually it's about two hours, it's like, Oh, sick. I got some sleep. Yeah. And then I can function for like another day. No, that's, but, that's great. Now that you put the rules down on a, up to three hours as a nap, I feel much better about myself. Cause sometimes I feel like yeah. I have friends that can literally fall asleep sitting up on a couch for like 30 minutes and then get to go. Yeah. yeah I've definitely done that. Like I've been like, yo, we're going to go where, how long's the drive? Cool. So let me sleep in the back, take a picture if you want. I don't care. Just like, I need, like, I need that little rest. Yeah. As much as I travel and stuff, it just kind of, it works out. It's nice. It's perfect. Have you, have you been on a podcast before? I did Kranz's and I did another one for a friend who 
he'd been doing this podcast it's called nine to five adventures and the whole thing with his podcast was like you can still have a real job and travel and have a family yeah and so this guy actually was one of like the local hometown heroes skaters when i was a kid and so like i grew up in a very small town in south texas called harlingen and he like reached out to me on social media and was like dude it's so cool to see somebody like so still into it and like into the industry and da 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 and i was like oh yeah i mean how have you been it's like i picked up skates because i saw you like on social media and started following you again just like cool that's awesome so he's like you mind if we do this podcasting i listen to a couple of his and he follows like athletes more than like skaters but it was cool and like yeah. a lot of people that just like travel on like for the purpose of travel you know like i'm a big big fan of just traveling like i'm a huge tourist so when he did it we talked a lot about that like how my job is essentially to travel and then like with skating and everything else like everything i do is just go somewhere and do something which is fun of course but that was those are the only two that i've done okay so i i may be a broken record because i haven't listened to those podcasts that you have been on but do you mind if we start from the beginning which is who is jason arena clearly everybody knows who you are now and the companies you're involved with yeah it's amazing because you you have built yourself quite the name with helping out with certain companies, whether it be uh, them skates, people have clearly seen you unloading trucks and doing whatever else, or uh, they've seen you at Winter Clash. You're kind of well acquainted with other skaters uh, all around the world, but where did you start? How did you start? What's your history? Kind of like give us a, I'm not even gonna say a brief rundown. This rundown could be as long as you want it to be, but how did you become you and how did you uh, become the person you are within the industry today? So I'm going to say Arlo Eisenberg. Um, my dad, I was very fortunate to have a dad who would just take us like load up the car. Let's go grab a couple of your friends. Let's go skate. Like in the summer, it was like just skate trips. He was very, very cool about it. And so when I was a kid, ASAs were around and the hoedown. So I missed the very first hoedown. And, and saw it on ESPN and was just like, what in the hell is this? This is in Texas. We can go there. So my dad was like, okay, we'll go next year. Just plan it. And I went to every single hoedown from the second one to the last one. The only other person that's been to all of them is Arlo. Um, even Vicky, his mom, missed a couple. Yeah. couple because they had some family functions and stuff. But so fast forward to 2004, maybe? I get a call and at this point I'm just a dude in Texas who skates. Like I know the Texas guys. I don't really like, even then like Frank Stoner and those guys were still like, Whoa. Like every time I'd go skate with these guys, it was just like, Oh my God, I'm, I'm hanging out with like, you know, Jared McVeigh and like Frank Stoner. And like if Lonnie ever let me have a session with them too, like the evil individuals guys, like I was just like super groms at, you know, at that level. And then um, I got a call from Arlo Eisenberg one year. And I thought it was a joke. Like, I was like, oh, yeah, sure. You know, it's an unknown number on my phone. And it's like, hey, man, this is Arlo Eisenberg. And I'm like, sure it is. Cool. Which one of my asshole friends is this? And he's like, no, no, it's really me, man. Um, Brandon Agretti, who I kind of had known through filming and stuff, uh, was like, he, uh, he suggested you to do this hoedown video for us. Would you be interested? Wow. And I was just kind of like, and full disclosure, I was stoned. 
So I was just like, uh, yeah, yeah, I could do that. That sounds cool. And um, this was pretty late in the game as far as like plotting and planning. But I knew like every photographer, every cameraman in Texas, I knew their rigs, their setups and what they were better at, like whether it was like shooting telly or shooting fish. And so I actually have this notebook. It's above me. But I have like a diagram of the park mapped out where I put every person and was like, okay, and then I'll do interviews here because nobody wants to sit inside and do interviews. I made this hoedown video and it was a 2005, I think it was a 2000, no, 2005 or 2004 hoedown video. And uh, from that is when I started kind of getting more involved in the industry and like getting behind the scenes and knowing everybody. And yeah, that was the, that was the official start of me working in the industry. And from there, I mean, I spent years working for Sunshine with Andy and Jeff and Mac and like the Razors teams and was always that kind of like random kid in the background getting to go to like on these tours and stuff. Um, yeah, and that just evolved into getting into working with John, doing the, uh, you know, Blading Cup and then working with him with Volo and eventually with this, with them skates. So it's been a very random long journey, but it's been like a lot of fun and very fulfilling. One of the things I always tell myself is like your 13 year old self is super stoked on what you're doing now. Yeah. And, and that's like all this very happened, rewarding. Sorry to interrupt. Did all this happen no, free flight attendant? Like, so did you have the uh, abilities to fly around globally well, so to all these events prior? When I did you did start? My, my I know dad that worked probably, for the airline that probably clearly helps. So there's a few rollerbladers like Shane Scowers, um, his one of, I think his aunt, maybe his mom worked as an airline uh, person also. So it doesn't just work for like flight attendants, but my dad used to be a baggage handler uh, for Southwest Airlines also. And I've always had the flight benefits. It's actually why I became a flight attendant. Cause it was like, wait, I'm going to age out. And he's like, yeah, you're gonna have to start paying to fly. And I was like, whoa, like, nah, I'll go ahead and buy, I'll get a job. And that's pretty much why I've done it. I've been a flight attendant for 15 years. I celebrated my 15 year anniversary last in March, last month. Good for you. I used to be on a yeah. since I had one year on Dan Dickerson's flight benefits and that was awesome. Yeah. So nice. It's the great, I actually, in hindsight, I wish I took more advantage of it and I convince him every year or I don't convince him. I try to convince him every year to put me back on now that I'm a little bit older, a little bit wiser and actually. Yeah. There's it. a few homies like John Ortiz has a connect. Um, Opie was on somebody's for a little while. Like there's like, and it's funny because when you talk to them, they're like, oh yeah, did you do this? And it's like its own little world. It's like skating. You start talking about like tricks and people like that don't do it, have no clue. But then you talk to somebody who's in it and you're like, oh, have you gone here yet? You know, yeah. the Z fair was this. And people are like, oh, Z fair. You're like, oh, I don't know more about it. It's fine. Yeah. It's just like this, it's its own little world. And I mean, I take advantage of it as, much, as best. I mean, I wish right now that's the hardest part for me is not traveling. Yeah. Of course. So how did you get involved with John and them? And what do you do for John and them as of right now? That's a good question. Um, somebody asked us this, like, I think last year, and we didn't know the answer. Like, we kind of just knew each other. 
I was always around at events and stuff because I was working at Sunshine. And then I moved back to Texas and I was in Boise, like randomly. And ba- I was hanging out with Bailey and Bailey like called John that night while we were hanging out and was like, Hey, can we get Randa some volos? And John was like, of course. And then I got, uh, the first pair of volos I got were the blue Roscoe's. Classic skin. And yeah, it was great, but I, I got them. And I literally, the day I got them, I flew out to California and I filmed Happy's OS3 Woodward edit. Yeah. And so like, while I was there, I was like, well, I'm going to be in Long Beach. And I was just like, I'm just going to stay and hang out. And just kind of like, that from that point on kind of kept being around and going to California and then the blading cup that we had on TV, you know, John asked me to come out and uh, get more involved with it. And it all just kind of happened really organically. Like as it should, it was just, yeah, it wasn't like nothing was like, I think that's why we can't really put a time or place on it. It was just like, Hey man, you want to come do this? Like, Oh, sure. I'll, I'll, I'm down to help. And then it was just kind of like a readily available when needed. And then now, I don't know what, I mean, I do whatever I can just to help the brand. Like, I think for me, rollerblading has just given me so much. Like anytime something comes up and it's like, well, how do you know that person? It's like rollerblading. Like, why are you going here? Rollerblading. Like, you know, just all of that, that I was just so dedicated to helping John. I mean, he's one of my closest friends but it's also still funny because he's still john julio you know so you're just like like if i casually i'm like oh yeah my buddy john's doing this and then people like kind of oh john i'm like it's weird so i don't know what i do for the brand other than like what needs to get done like fill that void yeah because i mean it's just easy to like is them the ask for escape or stuff working with or for or are you helping any other brands out right now um no uh them's pretty much top of the list i used to help isaac from eulogy a lot with a lot of product testing and stuff i get sent like samples mm-hmm. and would skate them and like write reviews and like send the send the wheels back and make notes on them and stuff so i always had like blank wheels from eulogy uh, that was a lot of fun and I'd say like right now they've just kind of slowed down, but yeah, I guess that's it brand wise. And how is the state of, uh, I mean, I think one thing a lot of people want to know is what's going on with air travel. You're in that industry. You yeah. what's going on. There's, it's quite a bit and, and you're like frontline working, you know? So, yeah. In, in fact, let's 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 uh conversate it this way. There's a lot of people right now where flights are cheap. You could hypothetically fly. People are not flying for certain reasons. What is your take as being a frontline employee for the airline industry? Is it a good idea to fly? Is it a bad idea to fly? Should you take advantage of the cheap airfares? Should you stay home? What what do you think? So how are airlines taking precautions for flying at this point in time? I I don't think anybody knows like airlines are cleaning the planes and they're trying to like, right now there's a big movement to make it mandatory for flight attendants to wear masks. But until it's like flight attendants and passengers wearing masks, it really doesn't matter. Yeah. Like 
uh, I read an article the other day about a woman who got on an American Airlines flight from Miami to New York. It was a full flight. There were like she sat next, she sat between two strangers, and masks aren't mandatory. So she was like, "I'm wearing mine," but the person next to me is just going for it. So I think the future of travel is going to be limited seating, so that way you can social distance to a point until we get an actual vaccine. And masks are going to be a big thing in our future as far as being in those situations. Like if you're going to be on a plane, you're pretty much going to have to wear a mask. I also think temperature reading before you board a flight will become a thing. Um, and I'd say right now, if you're willing to gamble, go for it. But honestly, if you come from a hot spot into a different state, uh, in Texas specifically, they have state troopers at your flight waiting for you. And they tell you like, hey, you need to self-quarantine. If you don't, you will get arrested. Like if you get stopped anywhere else, but for the next two weeks, then like it's all documented, like you'll get arrested because you're supposed to be self-quarantining. You came from New York, Florida, Washington State, California. Like they don't, like there's just like a list of hot spots. And if you come from any of those places, cool, welcome to the state, but you basically have to go like self-quarantine. That's so I feel like- spots. What's up? Yeah, it's, it's just the hot spots. But the, the irony of that is like, as a flight attendant, I go through all of those spots. I stay in some of those cities and then I'm exempt when I get to those cities. Like I can leave, I can come and go as I please. Yeah. And so I've, I've had two scares already. I was in contact with somebody who had it. So I got quarantined for, I, they, they notified me later and they're like, oh, you just gotta be quarantined for like, four or five more days. And that was weird. Yeah. And then I got a fever and panicked and was like, okay, this is getting weird. I had like 102 temperature and I actually got the test, the COVID test and I passed it, whatever. I like, I came out and I don't, I don't have COVID, but like those two scares for me being out there in like the front line is like, all right, cool. I probably wouldn't suggest traveling for normal people. Like, and I know how to like properly use gloves. Like, there's a tech, there's a technique to take them off. Like we're trained on that before COVID. Like that's just in case of bodily fluids on the plane. Um, so there's things that like I've seen of the general public that worry me. And I'm not concerned about like my safety from my health standpoint. Like I've got a pretty good immune system. Got, you know, I know how to wear a mask. I know how to not touch my face and stuff. But when it comes to other people, that's where I worry. Like I've seen things that I'm just like, wow, just, you make it through your day to day. And you've been tested, correct? Mm-hmm. And for the general public that has not been tested, that's listening, what's that like? Because I'm sure a lot of people are very curious of, so, of like I've, I've heard I've heard stories of uh, people doing the test and saying, like, in so many words, I felt like they were touching my brain. <laughs> like, so. Basically, yeah. So I went through a drive-through, basically, at my doctor's office, and I went to the back. Everything was done through the window. Um, uh, they did a flu and, like, strep test first, which is just, like, a quick swab. And those came out negative, so they were like, all right, we got to do it. And they bring out this really long Q-tip. Sorry, I'm going to pause you for a second. This is all in the same line. 
So your flu test and your strep test are in the Yeah, like all at the same time. They just okay. like knocked it out. Okay. So keep going. So they bring out the big, the big test, the big COVID test. Sorry, we may have broken up. Okay, I lost you for a second. The yeah. what? We're good now. So they bring can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, so they bring out the big COVID test. So how's yeah, that now? Okay, so the COVID test is this long Q-tip and they make you lean back and this thing just goes straight into your nose and honestly, it felt like it was under my eye, in the back of my throat and touching my brain all at the same time. Interesting. Panicky. It was like, it's like the weirdest thing. Like, I was like, wait, this is so invasive. One of the nurses was like, I can't watch this and she's like, turned around. She's like, I can never watch it. She's like, I've taken it and it sucks. And I was like, that's not reassuring at all. So but, how, how long is the uh, test tube or the Q-tip versus how much goes into your nasal cavity? Well, I couldn't see how much actually went in, but it felt like a lot. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like I was like, what? the thing was probably six to eight inches. Like it was like a definite, like, you know, that way they have a little bit to hold on to at the end, but it was, it was terrible. And then they do this side and like, okay, you ready? And then they do the other side. Oh, so it's both sides. Yeah. And it's two different Q-tips. So you're just like, yeah, it's sucked. How long, how long does the actual uh, COVID test take to perform? Uh, I got my results back in a day. They gave me like a whole pamphlet. They FedExed it to a lab. And the next day at the end of the business day, they had called me to let me know like, uh, I think they're trying to knock them out as quickly as possible, but yeah. In fact, with all my symptoms, I still didn't quite hit the go take the test. By like CDC standards, I did like this online survey and was like, I have this symptom, I don't have this one, I have this, I don't have that. They're like, just stay home, self-quarantine. Yeah. So like the, when I kept hitting like 102 on my fever, I was like, it's I need to go. And uh, my doctor, I was like, oh, we have the test. Come here now. So I, I knocked it out. But yeah, it took a day to get the results. Slick. And you're, you came up negative, so that's good. Yeah, yeah. You're good. feeling fever's over? Yeah, had a little bit of a fever for the next few days and a little bit of aching, but nothing. Like nothing. I, I definitely have my sense of smell and taste still. And that's been it. I've actually gone skating a couple times. And did your then. partner have to take the test because you had to take the test? No, because yeah. I came out negative there. Like, she's good. Just monitor. Everything is just monitor. Perfect. And how has uh, the Dallas quarantine, I suppose, the, the whole scene out there been going with, with uh, I know you and I talked earlier, everyone was kind of quiet for a bit, but now sessions are slowly starting to pick up a little bit. Is how's, how's all that? Is everyone still being Everybody's being, yeah, everybody's being pretty precarious precautious i feel like some people never took it too seriously or skating parks the whole time but uh so my first real interaction with everybody was the day the 909s arrived at carriers and i went over there to go help fritz just to make sure he didn't get overwhelmed he's doing good like short version of a longer story he's doing good he has a little bit of recovery to go still but he's doing a lot better than i thought he was going to be doing so yeah, he is doing um, good. And for anyone listening, Fritz has agreed to do a podcast as well. So we'll have that up probably 
nice. Too. Keep yeah. going. He's, he's, he's doing good though. But um, yeah, I just went kind of hung out, but people just walked into the shop like it was like a normal day. And I was like, no, and like just kind of hung out outside. And like, I wore a mask. I actually posted it on Instagram today. Like Fritz had filmed me unboxing everything, but I'm like there with a mask on, like, no, nah, I'm good. And then, you know, there was a point, his shop's not very big, but there was a point where there was like, you know, seven or eight people in there. And I was like, no, I'm out. I'm gonna go wait outside. I was kind of stand outside when people showed up and be like, hey, oh, grab me a small, like so-and-so yeah. needs to try it on just to kind of keep things moving. I have but, been to the shop, seven or eight people is packed at that shop. Yeah, it's, it's pretty slammed. Store. It's the back end of a kitchen. Yeah. So, um, but the scene itself is doing good. Everybody's doing like, you know, kind of globally, everybody's doing like their box and P-Rail sessions. And that's been nice. Um, I'd say like, there's a, there's, a, there's a couple groups that have been having like sessions like over here this group's doing one thing this group's doing another thing um but yeah this this week was my first interaction first like in person with anybody sunday session that ended up being a lot bigger than we all expected we were like oh everybody showed up to this yeah so, uh the scene's doing good. People have been buying skates and yeah, I think everybody's just itching to get back to like our normal Thursday night skates. Cause we used to have like 20 to 30 people showing up regularly. I think after this is done, we're going to have more because we just keep seeing those numbers growing. Like people keep showing up like, yeah, I haven't skated in, you know, X amount of years. I just bought my pair of skates. Fritz told me about the group and I saw you guys were skating here. We're like, okay. Yeah. And so. talk about that for a minute. How's the, How's the growth been within, oh. you know, I know we'll talk to Fritz and how Carriers has actually been going, but I know at least on the Salt Lake side, uh, we're in Salt Lake City, Utah. So it's been, uh, there's a park out here called Liberty Park. And mm -hmm. a long time ago, it was nothing but people jogging and cycling. Uh, and you'd see one or two rollerbladers around the park or people rollerblading around the park. And now it's, polar opposite where it's nothing but people in line skating and then you'll see mm -hmm. the offset of people cycling or jogging and it's been insane to see from a stand from that standpoint just you're just watching it grow and it's it's crazy it's a good crazy but it's crazy yeah yeah like the normal rec skating stuff's grown exponentially like i've gone you know just cruising around downtown and people stop me every time and they're super excited about seeing a rollerblader. They ask where to get them. And if it's any indicator, Fritz is selling out of stuff right now. So he's doing good when it comes to the rec stuff. But yeah, the few times I've gone out and trails and just kind of wandered around, like I definitely see more rollerbladers out, which is nice. So I feel like that outlet to get to one thing is cool that a lot of guys who did it in the 90s, like aggressive skating, they're like, well, I did this back and then I can probably do it now. And so they're kind of getting back into it, like for the exercise. And I mean, I don't know if they plan to actually like hit up some parks and actually you know, street skate kind of stuff, like grind and everything. But the interest is there and they're like a lot of people are reliving it. Even the jump street stuff. I've been watching a lot of their live videos and like the video premiere things that they've been doing and it's been fun. But you always have somebody in there who's like, yo guys, you used to skate back in like, you know, 
2000. How's everybody doing? What's like, what's a good setup? Da, da, da. And you're like, oh, that's cool. I was talking to uh, Stefan Brando not too long ago, and mm-hmm. we, we were discussing the same thing. And, you know, you think about when rollerblading or rollerblading became, you know, popular in the early 90s or even, I mean, late 80s, early 90s. Uh, that was all pre-aggressive skating, and you see those people that were rec skating at that point, and then all of a sudden you see, mm-hmm. you know, that that group discovers aggressive skating, and that's how aggressive skating was born. Yeah, watching it. So you have to. Stefan brought up a great point, which is all these people that are getting back into rec skating or starting rec skating for the first time are going to all of a sudden discover aggressive skating, and see that mm-hmm. as completely different realm that they could get into so i'm I'm almost wondering what the boom is going to look like at that point too in the next year or so yeah yeah and like sales were already up before this pandemic so and i'm not talking about like them skates i'm talking about rollerblade like inline skate sales were already up before the pandemic um so yeah it was growing to a point that was just like already a thing um so who knows i mean maybe the pandemic is helping maybe it's not you know time will tell as far as once we're all released from quarantine if it's like oh no i did this during quarantine like this is a great exercise i'm gonna keep doing it so i was trying to play it kind of close to the vest but i think it's definitely a push in the right direction as far as like exactly that like cool people are back in people are back on rollerblades once you once you get on something then it's like well what else can i do on this and then it'll be like oh you can jump off of stuff you can slide on a rail you know like i mean that's that was my ingestion of rollerblading it was like i saw it on tv because we had cable and i remember watching jason marshall wearing his backpack during a nist competition i think it was and it's like oh he he Where's that? Because that's how he skates on the way home from school. Yeah. He's wearing like this big yellow Senate backpack. And I remember like, oh, that's cool. I'm going to do that. I'm going to skate with my backpack on. Quickly learned that wasn't a cool thing. Like it just didn't work out for me as well as it worked out for him. But, you know, I was like, all right, cool. Like I remember getting like a broken fence and building a rail and just trying into my lightnings and not having anti-rockers and slowly learning through painful mistakes on like how to get into this. So I just hope that like they get into it faster with more knowledge than I did because I definitely had like the metal wraparound grind plates that were like just terrible. Oh, it's a lot easier now for everyone. Yeah. Like with social media and everything, I'm like, you guys can figure this out. It shouldn't be too bad. What was your, uh, what was your first like legitimate skate video? Like what was your first, I mean, Oh, we man. Um, apart in age, so I'm assuming what's your first VHS? Uh, VG4. VG4 was the first one. A homie, Tony Carrasco, who skateboarded, he had like stopped rollerblading, but he had all these videos. was like, hey, here's my rollerblade videos. And VG4 was the first thing I had. Followed quickly by VG5. And then I got like quest for the Holy rail and my daily routine wasn't too far off after that. Did but you yeah, I was videos or did they come as a free copy with a pair of skates you bought? 
Oh, I bought videos. Man, I'm a, yeah, I was a huge video dork. Like, it was just, I had to consume everything I could about rollerblading. Yeah. And I didn't have, like, I grew up in, like, if you look at the shape of Texas, I grew up yeah. down here at the very bottom. Like, Mexico was closer than Houston or San Antonio. Yeah. By, you know, minutes and hours. But, um, yeah, I was a huge consumer there used to be one magazine shop that carried like inline skater and box and i don't think they ever carried daily bread but my parents were cool that they like let me do like a once a quarter kind of two or three times a, a year like all right order everything you're gonna order like so i would just save up for that yeah and just be like oh man okay i gotta get this like what do i do um my dad and to uh barnes and nobles uh every once in a while yeah because i used to carry boxing and daily bread and those are the two magazines that i i'd go there just for that and it was a great time what was your uh, what was your first pair of actual aggressive skates i'll tell you right now for me mine was uh the rossi's royales if you remember those they were all gray uh the rossi their initial rossi's uh m12 was out in white and black but i remember those were like so advanced my dad would take me like a sun and ski sports or something that carried them and i didn't even want to try them on because i literally like at, for some weird reason didn't even think i was worthy to try them on so i got the rosie's royales they nice. were, uh, yeah light gray flat set up great time i remember when i got my lightnings i was like oh man it's on like i'm gonna do all the things and I got these lightnings and I put like no fear stickers on them and just had like, you know, that total epically nineties setup and like, didn't know what the hell I was doing, but yeah, it was good times. It was great times. I remember ordering, uh, ordering the, uh, Rossi's cooties. Okay. See, I had fifth elements. Like I, I remember I, I missed a Christmas. My brother got Majestics and they're like, you sure? And I was like, no, I want to wait for these. And they kept delaying the release. And I was like, damn it, I should have gotten Majestics. Yeah. I got the, uh, I got the Rosie's cootie and in the box, you got a free tape with every skate order. I could, I could not remember who I ordered from at the time. It could have very well been a uh, aggressive skating snowboard, which ended up being a mall. Uh, oh yeah. But I got uh, the Rosie's cooties, and in the box was TB TB five, and that was nice. that was my first VHS. I'd seen skate videos before. That was my first VHS that I owned, and that was the first time I heard of uh, Cypress Hill and a bunch of other music. And I still feel like uh, I get a ton of my music selection from skate videos, as everyone. Oh yeah, hundred percent. But that 100%. was I being like, holy shit! Just being in love with like. Um, I was super into vert skating for some reason, but I was really into like Ty Chris and Cesar Mora. And then as far as uh street going, uh, between vert and street, like Blake Dennis, all those yeah, guys. I did, yeah. Tim Ward, Tom Fry. Like I was, I was definitely in the like older generation of like, you know, like the Arlo's, the Tim Ward's, like the Tom Fry's, Heiser, like Wedge, all those like, first generation dudes because i just like was like okay who did this and like would try to learn it and then by the time like blake dennis and those guys came around i was pretty seasoned and like okay 
like he skates with so-and-so and did all the like the nerdy like following around um but even like more nerdy with videos i could tell you what like Bo would film and contribute to vgs because i could tell what his camera settings were oh sick like i was like dissecting everything i could get to like that point yeah i remember uh my sister used to live in Seattle in a, what was it called? I don't remember the city, but it was pretty close to a skate barn. Yeah. And I remember the first time I went to go visit my sister. She lives in Utah now, but I remember visiting my sister for the first time when they first moved to Seattle. Uh, it was called Newcastle is where they lived. Not too far yeah. from a uh, skate barn. I remember going to skate barn for the first time. They, I borrowed my brother-in-law's truck and drove to skate barn. And I'd seen a bunch of barn burner videos clearly from back in the day and seeing that park in person and like knowing what people have done at that park when I saw it in person was like, holy shit. Like the, it made like the quality of the skater go so much higher because when you see something on film, you're yeah. like sick. And then when you see the obstacle in real life, you're like, holy fuck. <laughs> like, this is so big. So big. You're so crazy. Or I, I thought about, about skate barn in a long fun. time. And then I watched the episode with you and Brandau and Tori. And I was like, that's where I first met Tori was at Barnburner. And I just remember being like, who is this tall drink of water next to me? And he said something like random, but just being, you know, Tori. And we were like sessioning like the down, like sea ledges on that one side. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just like, that guy's way taller than I thought he would be. But yeah, that was the last time. That was the first time in a long time I thought of barn burner. I was like, man, skate barn. Dude, little little secret. Not a little it's not a secret at all, but I always knew Tori was tall. And then, you know, at you know, at one point, as everyone was, I was once short and was short for a long time, then got a very large growth spurt for everyone that doesn't know I'm six foot five. Um and when I saw Tori skate after I was already tall or became tall, or had my growth spurt, I was like, that's who I tried to emulate because I was like, okay, people that are tall can like have style. Yeah, you got some. Style. That was like an actual struggle I had to be like, I am in love with this sport, but everyone that's like so good is of shorter stature, which makes them a more agile, more stylish. They can do like you know they can spin faster. They can yeah. the whole thing for me. And then you see people like Tori or even now I'd say like Jeff Howard, who's tall. Mm -hmm. Um, I've never met farmer, but I, I've heard he's tall. Yeah. Uh, farm's tall. And you, you see all these people and you're just like, okay, there is like a small thing yeah. as far as like being able, but I remember carry yourself watching, well. like, Tori's heat section, his reject section, whatever else. And like literally trying to skate like him. There's like, I don't know if you, you've seen, I'm sure you know, Tori, he airs in a certain way. Like if he's going to air a spine, go up and down, he like kicks his feet kind of all abstract and then goes back in. Mm-hmm. I literally like emulated that and I can do it now, which is great. But I remember like sitting at a spine at the local Utah park and just going just up trying. over and over to Getting it. make it feel like it was natural. That's funny. But it was, yeah. Yeah. Tori, Tori like, and the way I met Tori was great. And uh, the way that interaction went was great. Where uh, I may have mentioned this on the last one. And if, if not, it's okay. I'll mention it again because I enjoy the story so much. But I came to visit my sister the first when she first moved to Utah, and I lived in the Bay Area at the time. I grew up in the Bay Area. 
and my sister dropped me off at the skate park, local skate park here called Sandy, Sandy Skate Park. And uh, I was skating there. I had, I don't know when it was, sometime midsummer, and my wheels blew out. And she dropped me off in the morning, and I'm sitting there, my wheel blown out, can't do anything, can't skate. And I was just sitting there. She hadn't given me a ride yet or come to pick me up. So I'm just hanging out. I'm literally the only one at the skate park. And I see this old Bronco pull up. And uh, I see a roll bear get out. And that was already like crazy for me because in the Bay Area, even though we have like a pretty big scene, uh, yeah. it's weird to see roll bears generally. And a person comes skating through, tall guy. I instantly recognize it as Tori. And he instantly comes up to me. He's like, yo, man, I'm Tori. What's up? And I'm like, oh, hey, I'm Creel. He's like, are you from here? And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm visiting from out of state. He's like, why aren't you skating? I, I like, put up my boot up and I was like, well, my, my wheels blown out. And, uh, he goes, all right, well, uh, you skating tomorrow. And I was like, I mean, probably not because my wheels blown out. I don't know where to get wheels. He's like, all right, well here, grab my number. And he gave me his phone number. And I remember like just totally gromming out that Tori would give me his number, you know, as yeah. you, but it's Tori tree seater, you know? So, uh, he actually messaged me the next morning going, Hey, I'm going back to Sandy, that same skate park. I'll be here at this time. Can you be there? And I remember like begging my sister, my oldest, she's 10 years my age. Uh, she goes, yeah, I'll drop you off. So I drop her off, or she drops me off, pardon. And uh, I'm there a little early. And Toy rolls up and he's like, you skating today? And I was like, I mean, my wheel's still blown out, but I just wanted to come hang since you invited me. And he's like, I got something for you. He goes back to his Bronco, pulls out a brand new set of heat wheels and his pro able frames and just gives them to me. And that's nice. how I met Tori. And then the next day, uh, that was on a Friday. The next day on a Saturday, it was a uh, street contest out in Salt Lake. This was back when, like, in the era of, like, SP being filmed, like, right before yeah. the fall. So it was, like, uh, Chris Olbin, uh Jeez, I'm blanking on their names. So I'm going to move forward because I feel bad blanking on their names. But understand. Especially when you're, on, like, on the spot. You're like, ah, oh, crap. On the spot, it's tough. Chase Bailey, there you go. Uh, and a couple other people. Uh, and then Tori asked if I wanted to go to this contest, and he picked me up in his dad's old Bronco. From I've my, driven that thing to Moab. Yeah. yeah. Good That's times. I would love to drive that. He picked me up, though, and he drove me to every single spot, and just, like, he didn't skate the contest, but he just watched, and he just let me yeah. hang out with him. And I remember being like, what a fucking cool dude. So now, like, X amount of years later, probably 15 years later, I think it's probably been about 15 to uh, be in business with them, with a, with a company that we're doing now with a transit. It's pretty, pretty crazy. I get it. I get it. I work with John Julio. It's a weird one. It's weird. It's so cool. I feel like so privileged in some weird way, but like, I also feel like I've been working towards it and have had no idea what I'm doing. And now it's finally settling in and I feel good about it, which is the best part. Yeah, Tori, like, not to harp on him for much longer, but he really is just, like, a great human being all around. Like, uh, just, you know, kind of guy that would give you the shirt off his back, dollar, last dollar in his bank account if he needed to. But, you know, my dad went through some medical stuff, so he was, like, the first guy to check on me pretty quickly um, during all the COVID stuff. He's kept up with me, like, just, yo, how are you doing out there? Like, is everything okay? Are you doing all right? Like, so it's he's just that guy like he's a good dude totally and i don't think it's harping on him i think he'll smile through every single word of what we're uh, about him, but 
He's an asshole also, though. I'll, I'll go ahead and say asshole. He recently, through this last month and a half that we've been on lockdown, introduced me to uh, day drinking, <laughs> which I've never been fond of. Not that I'm going hard on it, but I've never. I used to have a cardinal rule, which is a uh, never crack a beer before 5 p.m. My 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 uh, since my poison is bourbon, I kind of made it a point to not start drinking till 6 p.m. during the quarantine. I think that's um, it's a it's a pretty decent one, and then just been chilling. Like so, during the day, I try to get as much done as I can, make myself feel like I've earned a drink, you know take a nap here and there, but it's been, it's been okay. It's working. Oh, it's good. I, my, my rule used to be uh sunrise or sorry, sunset. Sunset is when you can start drinking. Then I carefully mellowed it down to five. But then like I was saying, Tor came over like uh, two weeks ago with a couple 10 percenters which I never drink during the day. And I was literally on my computer working on transit stuff. And I hear a knock on my window and I look over and it's Tori and he's holding up two beers, two tall boys. And I'm like, well, oh, do it. Like, I'm not going to say no, you know? So yeah. We had those like, uh, and he even said, he's like, ah, I'm sorry. Probably 10% is probably too much. It's going to be a doozy driving home. I was like, why don't you hang out here, chief? Like, let's hang out for a little bit, which we did. But Tori, Tori's been great. He took a huge fall yesterday. I don't know if you saw. Yeah, so. he sent me the pictures of his back. I was like, "Can be okay, bud." Like, I actually, he said his ribs were kind of tender, and I was like, "I know you got the kids." So I suggested when I broke my ribs, I would wear a bandage on the outside of my shirt mm-hmm. to remind everybody else that I was hurt, because people would be like, "Oh, what happened?" And I'm like, "Ribs are broken. Please don't touch me." But because yeah. there's nothing else you can do, so yeah, that's that's a uh, right that's before a uh, blade havasu that happened in February. I cracked one of my ribs. That was my first time with a rib experience, and it was uh, the same thing. So I talked to Tori today, and I was like, "Go do yourself a favor. We get like a lidocaine patch or some lidocaine rollers, and that'll help you out." Mm-hmm. So I'll get a lidocaine patch, a beard, and an ibuprofen. You'll be all right. But the shitty part about ribs, as you know, is it just takes forever to heal. It does it this is kind of a forever this is kind of a segue but like how do you deal with injuries because i'm i'm the worst and it's actually how i picked up cameras early on in like my career like i'd say my career just early on skating i'd be like oh well i'm not gonna not go to this session so i'm just gonna like film and you know i've been skating for like almost 30 years like 20 over 25 and over the years i haven't had to take too much time off from like major injuries like the ribs and like ankles and little broken things here and there but i've always like still gone to the sessions were you kind of the same way when you got hurt like over the years like yeah yeah pretty much i mean i've i've been prone to getting hurt i like when i think of my childhood i've always just think about like being in the emergency room a lot <laughs> they always yeah. just dumb shit but um i didn't really matter to me what my injuries were until probably four or five years ago when i i threw out my back really bad like crawling to the car yeah. and that was the first time that i had an injury that even though it was an immediate injury it's just kind of stuck with me forever my back will still go out 
pretty good, like at least once a year. But for a while, for the first couple years, it was like terrible. Um, and and at the same aspect, I try to film, but I don't know if you ever had your back go out. I'd even try to film. I'd throw my back out, like even when my back was going well again, and you're filming with a fisheye, even just tweaking to get the shot. Yeah, it would easily go out again, and that's when it was a problem. But I'm a lot more in tune with my body now. Where before, like I'd feel my back ache and I would keep skating. Where now, like I can feel what's what could happen, and I'll stop. Yeah, going to just take advantage or uh, not take advantage, but uh, just be more weary of what I'm doing. And now I practice a lot of like, uh, you know, like flexing my core when I stand up, when I move around, mm -hmm. like uh, just to help protect your back. I go to a chiropractor. I mean, I was going every week, sometimes daily. When my when my back goes out, I go daily. Yeah, clearly I can't do that now that everyone's shut down. But um, I just try to be more careful, uh, like most people our age. I know you're a little bit older than me, but uh, like most people our age. 36. 36, yeah. So I'm 33. So you definitely, I mean, three years is a lot different. My, me, It is, but it isn't. Like, I mean, what uh, I could do when I was 30 is a lot different than what I could do now. And what I can do now is going to be a lot different than I can, what I can do when I'm 36. And hopefully I can do everything I can do and get better. Sometimes I feel like I'm growing in the sport and doing things much more difficult or much scarier than I thought when I was younger. But um, I think yeah. a lot of it too is just being a lot more uh, mindful of what my body can do and just like really concentrating on what my body can do and what it can yeah. do. And when I should stop same. limits and keep pushing my limits. Uh, but there's definitely days where like, uh, for instance, last weekend, I, I really wanted to skate and I got out uh, and I had, I had my skates on and I just ended up filming Hazen Bell mm -hmm. most of the day. And I had just as much fun filming and uh, getting multiple angles of, of different tricks for his new section that he's putting out than I would have trying to do anything myself. And I think it's important. I definitely still had fun filming. You know what I mean? I definitely have days where I like, I just want to film because it's just as much a creative outlet as skating. Um, but like, I'm almost as stoked as the guy that landed it sometimes when I'm like, dude, I got that perfect. Like, you know, like you filmed it the way you envisioned it to make that trick look good. So I definitely get that the shot is just as fulfilling as doing the trick. I think it's I yeah. a trick that's so good. It feels good. And especially when you can like, you know, you go to your replay and you review the footage with the, with the athlete and they are stoked on the mm -hmm. shot. It feels good. Yeah. It definitely feels nice. Good. It's nice. I agree. What about you? How do you handle you know, I'm not going to say aging out. I, I've, I've mentioned the, the term aging out in a couple of podcasts now, and I don't think it's actually aging out. I just, I can't think of a better way to say getting older and dealing I, with I, injuries. We're, we're not in our prime anymore. We're not in our teens. We're not in our early 20s where we can just do whatever the fuck we want. Like, we do have, yeah. now we do have careers. We do have families, spouses, etc. ourselves. We've got to take care of so where, where do you find the fine line of i'm gonna go have fun and push myself versus i need to come home in the same shape i came out with 
I'd like to say I like plan ahead for that, but I really don't. It's really just like a vibe. Like I still have that. And in all honesty, I don't feel much different than I did say 10 years ago. Like I feel like my skating's gotten more dialed. Like everything's more controlled versus yeah. like, I'm not going to go for something because I want to do it. It's more like uh, I'm secure with myself enough to know that I can try it. And like the, my risk is minimal compared to like something bigger. I don't know. Like I think I'm skating some of the best I've been skating in a long time, just in general and honestly i'm in some of the best shape i've been in because for the last few years i've been trying to be more conscious of like you know like i foam roll i stretch um i've been doing that since i was like 25 though like i've pre-meditated to the point of like i don't want to stop doing this so i started looking into what i needed to do to maintain my body I started, I had really bad sciatica for a little while too, when I was about 20 something like 26, 27. Yeah. And so I was like, how is this already hurting? Like my knees ache, what can I do? And I'm not, I'm a big advocate for not taking a pill right away. So I was like, what do I need to do to make this feel better? And I just kind of started doing that. Like would stretch, I do squats, I do, um, I have long, long conversations with like Rob G about this kind of stuff and like just focusing on like your personal energies and like where to, how to try to like focus them to like healing and doing things. And a lot of it just sounds, you know, out of context, it sounds kind of ridiculous, but it's like, it's worked for me for this long. And I have ailments, like the things that are like reoccurring, like just my wrists are weak, you know, I fall skating, I can't do push-ups, but it's like those things that I've just focused on for the last few years that like, I think I'm doing pretty good. At Blading Cup, I had a hematoma on my leg, like this whole thigh and most of my butt was just like a giant bruise, but I skated every day because we'd go skate that Vans Mini and do all this stuff. And it was like, I'm not going to not skate. And I just knew how to like handle that. Like I would I would, before we'd go skating, I would foam roll to like disperse all of that. And I don't know, it's just, I think being more educated about my body, like our bodies in general, but then also being educated about the physical stress we put them through and what to do about it. That's not just like an ibuprofen because an ibuprofen is like, cool, it's masking your pain, but like sometimes that pain is actually a good thing. So like when I get like a giant bruise, I'm like sitting there like just massaging it out like this this hurts this really hurts but yeah. like pain is a good thing in the sense that's like your body is receiving the fact that you're injured here and because it's injured there and you're actually making that pain receptor go up your adrenaline kicks in and your body's sending things to that part of your body to like repair it because it knows that that's a pain concentrated area and stuff like that like those are the kinds of conversations like rob and i would have yeah. And they're like weird little pressure points that to like, I was actually showing my girlfriend earlier. I was like, yeah, like right here, if you like pinch, it helps with headaches. And she's like, why? I, was like, I have no idea. Somebody yeah. much smarter than me wrote a book about it and I've read the book, you know? And so like a lot of that has just been that kind of stuff for me for the last decade. 
my chiropractor has told me before and it always has resonated with me that pain like pain receptors are the last thing your body sends to you so you could already be like very injured as far as like you're like for instance for me my back was already thrown out right and before i felt the actual pain in my back being thrown out my body's trying to do everything to heal itself yeah. and finally the pain comes through and that's your body being like okay it's t- it's time like i'm shutting down now like you need to rest yeah and you need to pay attention to me yeah and i think and yeah i think uh you said something earlier where you go or where you said something along the lines of uh you don't want to harp on it or you don't want to do something or another i, c- I couldn't tell you now but uh, i think it's really important or important for people our age to start uh, really resonating with what their body is telling them. Yeah. Being mindful of what their body is telling them, because if you do want to keep doing this, and I think a lot of us are at an age, there's not a whole lot of youth going on. Now, yeah. So the people that are really keeping it alive right now, there are, there is youth getting into it, which is great. And it's very exciting to see. But at this point and this time in role waiting, a lot of it, uh, as far as the aggressive skating goes, I feel like most of us are in our late twenties, mid, mid thirties, mid thirties, mid thirties. I'm going to really say is the key. And, yeah. 30, uh, I'd say like early to mid thirties is like all of us right now. Like that's the spot. Yeah, for sure. That's that sweet spot. It is a sweet spot and it's sweet that it's even a spot, but uh, we got to start taking care of ourselves. Cause if we're going to hold this torch, for as long as we can until we, you know, until there is youth to pass it on to you or until that youth wants to be involved, which I think is coming up very soon with how big rec skating think, getting in. Like we really got to take care of ourselves. And, and I think a big thing it. too is like the machismo aspect of like being a dude and already like being an aggressive sport. It's like, Oh yeah, I'll just rub some dirt on it. And it's like, yeah, dude, you're like you're 30 now. Like maybe not rub some dirt, rub some like, you know, septic or something that would clean it yeah. you know like consider like yeah, actual things like I, I definitely put super glue in my cut still like that's oh that's just fine it'll be fine i don't need to get stitches but like you ever like looked at your like body and just been like oh man like i'll look at my knees and then like sitting on the couch watching tv with my girlfriend look at her knees and i'm like that's what a kneecap looks like huh that's cute like you know, like we put ourselves through so much, but there's a quote from the Fight Club book. It's not in the movie, and I'm gonna t- I'm gonna interpret it because I can't remember it word for word. But it's one of my favorite quotes. It's like you ever see those like show cars? Like you see that perfect '56 Chevy, it's in perfect condition, body paint, everything starts. Yeah, I don't want to be that one. I want to be the one that has some rust and has a dent, and know that like. I got driven. I got used. Yeah. And it's one of my favorite quotes ever because it's like, you know, everybody's like, oh, my body's a temple. I'm like, that's cool. But like, what'd you do with it? Like, you know, go yeah. out and have some fun. Like, You want some patina on you. Yeah, I want a little rust, you know, and that's fine. I mean, I posted a video of me like cracking my foot the other day and skater homies were all like, ooh. But like friends who don't skate were like, what's wrong with you? why does your foot make that noise? Um, I have a good friend from high school that I keep in touch with. And he's just like, dude, every time I see you post a video and you fall, I'm just like, how does he get up? 
like I don't know I'm just too dumb to stop totally you know, like I I've, I've never not rollerbladed I think this quarantine has been the longest I went without skating for not having an injury I went like a solid month of just being quarantined and not skating like I, I would skate like recreationally around downtown but I wouldn't I didn't do a single grind for like a month solid and I think from a health aspect that was the longest I'd gone without being injured in 25 plus years Jesus it's a long time you know like it's a super long time like it's, it's weird and yeah. it's crazy to think like that I've been doing this for more than I've not been doing it like I'm at that point in my life that I've rollerbladed more than I haven't in my lifetime yeah same same yeah I was talking with a I mean you talk with Tori today I talked with Tori today just about that fall and and he goes, uh, he goes, this has been the longest, or this is the first time I've had a fall that had this much pain since, yeah. like, since my heydays of skating. And I, and I told him, I was like, at one point, I'm like, I'm, like, ah, I'm sorry you fell. But on the other point, I'm going, it's, it's good for you. And he goes, yeah, I'm, it's glad, I'm glad to like have fallen and know that I'm still alive. And then I bring yeah. up another point, which I always love to bring up, which is people that skate, whether it's inline skateboard, scooter, BMX, ski, snowboard, whatever, any action sport where you're constantly just eating as much shit as we do, our bodies are so much stronger than oh, yeah, yeah. human's body. Like a fall, like the fall that Tori took mountain biking would put a normal person in the hospital and he just got up and rode his bike the rest of the way downhill. And now he's, exactly. he's sore. And he's hurting, but he's good. Where other people, it yeah. would have really fucking, like, it really would have taken him out. And yeah, I do think it's like a really plus side of skating. I don't know if it's a plus side or a downfall. But I, I mean, in my head, I always like to think, hypothetically, I'm not a violent person, but you go, if if I go, if Jason Reno was to get in a fight, he could take way more hits than the average person oh, yeah. could take and be okay with it. Because he's so, like, you, me, the rest of the skating community, the rest of the action sports community are so used to just like hitting hard concrete all the time. So day after my cousins that you cannot like your pain factor we is were like, so much higher. We we're still like kids, like teenagers ish, but you know, like we're horsing around. My cousin's like trying to Charlie horse me in my leg, just like trying to dead leg me. And I was just like taking it. And I was like, nope. And like, you know, we were wrestling. I got him back. And he's like, how are you not like in pain? And I was like, dude, I fall on concrete all the time. Like, you're, you're fine. And it was just one of those things. Like, it's a real thing. You know, like, yeah, like, I'm like, it hurt, but it, it hurt, but it's the same. Like, I hit my hip on a rail every other day. Like, it's fine. Yeah. Speaking of rails, let's, let's, uh, let's do this. I, it is getting a little bit late here. I don't know what time is. Are you guys an hour behind in Dallas? It's 10.52. I have no idea what time it is. Uh, yeah, it's 11.52. I'm not in any rush to do anything. Okay, sweet. So, let me do this. Let me go. Uh, when's the last time you hit a rail, handrail, whether it be handicap or flat, or sorry, downrail, stair rail? Uh, I've done a downrail. Let me think of like the last time I actually hit like a really, a real downrail. Um, when the guys came filming for Champagne, I tried to do this kink rail. It's a pretty big kink rail. And that was probably the biggest rail I've tried in a while. So 
while filming for Champagne, like the dead guys came and stayed with me and yeah. like David was like, you need to get a clip right now. I was like, okay, sure. And like day one, I took him to this one spot so they could do it. And he's like, what do you got on this? And I was like, oh crap. Uh, yeah, sure. I yeah, definitely don't street skate much. <laughs> yeah, like I, I don't go street skating much because when I go street skating, it's usually because I got to film, you know, and I'm like, oh, I'd rather just go to the skate park and like have a sesh. Um, so yeah, I'd say that would probably be one of like the last really big rails. So it's been a couple of years. Uh, rail. One rail a year, just to say I still have it. That's my goal. I mean, I've done like way more of a less than I'm a rail skater. Rails. You've been to Ro oh no. Say again. So like the, the handrail at Roanoke. Roanoke, the skate park, uh, we were talking about the knife. Yeah, the butter. The yeah. skate park with the knife in, in here in Dallas. Yeah. So Roanoke, I hit that handrail almost every time I go to that park. So that's pretty close to a real rail. You know, it's got stairs on both sides and yeah. It's perfect because it's a skate park, but I'm pretty confident with that. I honestly, I just don't have ups. So when it comes to like flat handicap rails, I've never really been good at them. Like, and I grew up in a very flat area, so I like, can't, I can do them, but I'd prefer just to do a down rail and just like jump on, slide off and roll away and be happy. Yeah. But yeah. I pretty much try to just do handicap rails when i do try rails because i'm so scared of stair rails i, I just never no, really, see, I, to be honest, I never learned how to fall properly on handrails so i get like i can get real messed up real quick and it's i mean yeah but i definitely try like i'll definitely do a stair rail before i'll do a flat rail it ooh. just i don't know and i'll kg it first try like that's like i won't go for like a soul or a royale i'm like no nah, i got this i'll just kg it and it's like it's dumb but it goes back to like old ASA days and anybody old enough to remember ASAs and like how you would compete in them. It was like safe tricks everywhere you could end it on a hammer, like end it with something that would stand out or yeah. start with something that would stand out. And so like, I just got really good at KGs on down rails. That was just like the, the trick. I was like, you know what? I can KG. I'll, I'll just do it. I, I trust a KG more than I trust a Royale. So that if you take me to a rail, I would rather KG it before I royaled it. KG is one of my new favorite tricks to do. My safety has always been a soul royale or unity. Unity is almost like number one when it goes to safety. I don't know why. It just feels comfortable. KGs I've been super into lately. I just got paired up tonight. I don't even know who I got paired up with. But right before you called, the reason it took me so long is because uh, Brad Anthony went live on the Globally. Oh yeah. So I can see who I can get paired up with. And uh it, he said he commented saying it would be a good game, which I assume means that I'm gonna get my ass kicked. And uh I've I've made a public post saying whoever gets me, please let me down slowly. <laughs> so like as pain as painless as possible. But uh we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Let's go this. Let's do uh, the top the top three last questions. I go every, every end of every podcast, which is uh, we'll start with number one. Uh, your favorite skate section of all time. So video and athlete. Um, that's a tough one. It is a tough one. 
Um, we, can, we can go top three if that helps. Not an easy one at all. No, it won't really because it just depends. So I would, I'm going to just go ahead and say like the volume Latimer. Okay. Uh, to be as generic and specific as I can. But that's that one. I remember that one hit when it like when it when we watched it, I just remember being like, what the hell? And I think that was kind of the beginning of Latimer really becoming like brain fear gone words like mind game Latimer that it was still like a solid standard section at the time. But there was definitely some stuff in that in that England video that stood out to be a little different and unique. Okay. Uh, but then another like easy contenders would be like Josh Petty's VG7 section, Dustin and Kevin Gillen's VG7 section. Um, yeah, I could go. And then there's like editing. Like I think my favorite videos in the beginning were like uh, Force Fire and like Bo's videos because they were just like you can make this look really really cool like that. Granted, yeah. he was biting some skateboarding videos, but here and over there, like he made those rollerblading videos like really sick. Sick. So, yeah. All right, let's go. uh, If you could see any show, and by show I mean concert, of any artist dead or alive, who would you see? Oh, Zeppelin. That like easily it would be just be like an old Zeppelin, but I'd have to be in like it wouldn't be like Zeppelin in this era, it would straight up be like, I have to go back in time to be at a Zeppelin concert, probably on acid in their heyday. Yeah, that's And it's because I grew up like just watching those concerts with my dad that I'm just like, um, it just, the whole thing looked like such a experience. Yeah. Um, I was fortunate enough, I took my dad to see the Rolling Stones, which is another band I grew up with, but that was a couple years ago and it was just like, just as epic to like sing along with my dad and the Rolling Stones. And that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, Zeppelin, cause growing up Zeppelin was like the cassette in the, in like my dad's old van all the time. Like for sure. For sure. So let's do the last one. I'm going to throw an oddball. It's not the normal question I'd ask, but because you are in the travel industry, favorite city to skate in that you've been to personally. And favorite we'll city say- to skate. Favorite city skating, and we'll say, uh, let's do it. Let's do a two-parter. Favorite city with, uh, favorite skate park in a random city. Let's say outside of Dallas, and let's okay. say favorite city to street skate in outside of Dallas. Um. So, my generic answer for the generic question of like, what's your favorite place? It's not where you are, but who you're with. Of course. And so I'm gonna say. Australia. Okay. I don't remember the name of the park. That's a there was like a, there was by the way. There was a random right. bowl in the session. Yeah, the session is me, uh, Tom Fry, Scott Crawford, and Julio, and Dom West. And oh, I can't remember the name of the park, but it was like. Is it Bondi? Random park. It wasn't Bondi, and it wasn't Manly. It was like it's like a newer park. Okay. The park itself was great. But that would probably be my favorite out of Dallas, like park and session. Um, street skating, 
there's a lot of spots that are good for street skating. I lived in San Diego for a while, so San Diego had its spots, but there's nothing like skating around from spot to spot mm-hmm. and having that old like, oh, cool, we have a crew, we're doing this. So New York City, like the last two years, I've been able to do that with some homies where like, you know, we're sketching on cabs and just like, there's just an energy about New York City that is undeniable, like just from being a tourist there. But like when you're skating in the city and you're moving through the streets and holding on to a yellow cab, going down like New York City for street skating. Yeah, that I've, I've never been in Australia. I've never been in New York City. I've driven through Buffalo. It's about as far as close to NYC as I've gotten, but places I've flown into or not flown into, I've never flown into places I've driven through that I think would be great for street skating would be uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico. Seems like an entire skate plaza. Uh, yeah. As they got a lot of ditches and stuff there too. They do. Phoenix is great. Las Vegas is great. Oh, yeah. I was talking to Tony. Phoenix. Gonna do a, uh, he's going to have a section in the new Salt Lake video. So I'm going to drive out to Vegas and film Tony. A couple yeah. times, especially since the the strip is strip is quiet. But uh, yeah, all those are all those are great. Yeah. Oh. Have you skated Vegas? I was just thinking about that. I have. I haven't really gone street skating much, but I've I've gone a few spots, and it's always been kind of a quick, you know, like hey, we're here for a couple of days, let's get some skating in, and then we hang out. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of Vegas for vegas like i just i'm not into gambling and i mean i am into gambling when i want to be but like i'm just not really into like the lights and the noise and the vegas, whole thing tough, it's a tough city it takes it out of you i've gone there a bunch yeah. of work pre pre-job pre-job loss it was a good time but uh to go out and and film and see like the outskirts of vegas the actual vegas is much different than the strip yeah it's lots of glitz and glamour and smoke and mirrors yeah but, i agree all right, man. Any uh, any last words? Any shout outs? Any anything you want to do? Anything you want to say before we wrap it up? Oh man, uh, thanks for having me. Uh, I hope I didn't bore everybody. No, it's um, fantastic. Actually, this is gonna be a good one. Just a huge thanks to anybody that rollerblades. Like, you know, you don't have to be the best rollerblader, man. Just go out and have fun. I know that sounds super generic, but like. That's all I've been doing for as long as I've been doing it. And I never expected to get where I'm at on like my skating talent. Just um, I'll end with my dad's quote growing up. Jesse Reyna has always said it, but it's nice to be important and it's more important to be nice. So if you're out there and you're one of the better guys in your scene, like you see a kid coming up, especially right now that the sport's growing, like talk to that kid, you know, like help him out, Uh, you know, just, do something kind for somebody else out there because it goes a long way. You know, somebody bringing you a set of wheels and driving you around a skate contest will stick, you know, 15 sure. plus years later. Yeah. Like, dude, you not, not cool guy. Anyone be nice to everybody. Yeah, you're just, you're really just another person here. So exactly. be good. It's not that hard. Right on. I love that quote. I might have to use that more often. What is it again? It's, it's pretty sick. It's nice to be important, but it's more important to be nice. My dad actually has like a caricature from Vietnam that somebody drew when he was in Vietnam. And it says that quote on it from like 1969. That's a rad quote. That's probably one of the better quotes I've heard in a long time. Wow. That's a good one. 
Good old Jesse Reyna. Good old Jesse Reyna. The father of Jason Reyna. And on that one, we are going to wrap up. Uh, Jason, cheers. thank you so much for being on the podcast. Here we go. little cheers. For cheers, you. man. My last sip, too. Perfect timing. Yeah, perfect. All right, man. Thank you so much. Let's do it again soon. Uh, as yeah, man. With, uh, Talbot, Cameron, uh, we try to do it once a month. So maybe you and I can do it once a month, too, just to catch up, keep everyone posted. Yeah, we'll see how it's going. See if I'm flying again. You'll be flying again. Maybe yeah. I'll be flying to you. Like I said, I'd like to go out. I'm, I'll probably realistically drive out to Dallas here sometime soon just to go hang out for a few weeks. You'll be around. Right on, dude. Parks are, parks are slowly starting to open, too. Yeah, there you go. Thanks again for uh, being a part of this tonight and for taking time. I know I kind of messaged you late, but I appreciate good. it. You guys take it easy out there. Stay safe. All right. Take care, buddy. Have a good one. Later. See ya.